When I was young, I learned that love was all about romantic comedies, Valentine's Day, chocolate, and flowers. A lot of capitalist heterosexual BS. Now I know that real love is ferocious, it's terrifying, and it's a catalyst for change. I'm Ethan Lipsitz, and I created Love Extremist Radio as a platform to engage with people who are on the front lines of wrestling with and redefining love on their terms. They're activists, artists, and creators, all making change in their communities and the world. Thanks for being here. Together, let's define what it means to be a love extremist. Love is the truth. Love is the truth. Love is the truth. Love is the truth. Atusa Rubenstein is the former editor-in-chief of Seventeen Magazine and founder-editor-in-chief of Cosmo Girl. In 1998, Rubenstein created a prototype for Cosmo Girl within 48 hours and was offered the job on the spot, making her, at 26, the youngest editor-in-chief in the over 100-year history of Hearst Magazines. Woo! After a successful run at Cosmo Girl... Hearst acquired Seventeen and tapped Rubenstein to turn the venerable title around. After just one year at the title, Rubenstein reversed a five-year decline in Seventeen's newsstand sales and delivered a total newsstand growth of 23% within two years. The following year, Rubenstein left the industry altogether to undergo a grueling 13-year personal excavation and discovery mission that led to three of her own daughters and now a twice-a-week love letter, Atusa Unedited written for her beloved readers, now adults in their own right. What's up, Atusa? Hi, it's so funny. You read all of my resume, and, and now what we're going to talk about is none of that fucking matters. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Am I allowed to swear here? Of course you are. Of course you are. And, and uh, <laughs> it's actually like a great place to start. It's interesting how we identify people based on their resumes. You know, when you give a bio, it's so often... A professional bio but okay. how would you introduce yourself if it wasn't professionally i mean i'm just like you and everybody else in this room i'm in earth school and sometimes i get my ass kicked and handed to me and sometimes you know i i, I do a great job and i'm just learning you know just i'm just a student of life that's really all i am and that's all we all are i think is there a lesson that has been hitting you harder than others lately? Well, I mean, we all have our woundings, right? I mean, mine is certainly related to abandonment and worthlessness. You know, one thing that I talk a lot about is that I'm a survivor of incest. Um, but the incest was really like a symptom of the bigger problem of, of what was happening in my life as a child. And so... You know, the, the, that worthlessness and abandonment is just always rubbing up against me. Um, but it's, you know, it's there for me. Like I, I see it as a teacher and the eye, you know, when something just just before we got on this, literally 25 seconds before I'm getting a divorce, as you know, Ethan, and mm -hmm. some of you in the room might know, I get a really tough letter from my attorney who's like, Rawr! you know, like it's the kind of letter that I would go throw up in the bathroom and then come back <laughs> and do this. But the real opportunity, you know, when you're a student in earth school 
is to read that letter. I put my hand on my stomach mm -hmm. and I gave myself love and tenderness. And I just softened rather than harden, right? So we walk through this life and shit like that happens. And we want to puff out our chest, right? I'm fucking Atusa. Come near me. I'll fuck you up, right? <laughs> That's a little bit how we get indoctrinated into earth school the wrong way. Hmm. But in fact, in those moments, what we're supposed to do is soften or what I'm supposed to do. I can't speak for anybody else is soften, grieve and and be there for ourselves and love ourselves through it. And so even in conversation with you, I have to I have to be able to multitask that. Mm. Well, I want to recognize that and thank you for sharing and um can can you walk us through a little bit of what softening feels like or is like for you? Like your practice of softening is that through breath? Is that just through do you go to a special spot? Do you sit a special way? Like how do you approach it? Because I know we all have different ways. Um, yeah. So for me, it's when when life is being hard on me, whether it's justified or not, right? So today, Ethan, you know, I put it, I wrote about a really, really devastating heartbreak mm -hmm. in, in my Atusa Unedited. And that's real, you know, like that's not bullshit. Like that that was hard. It was hard to sit with and to send out. And, and, but I heard from my ex boyfriend's ex girlfriend. And so when I got that DM, I was, you know, my heart went right into my throat, into my ears, into my eyeballs. <laughs> I was so activated. It was hard. And so in that moment, I do just what I said, I did with the lawyer is I remember I, I parent myself in a different way than I was parented. So when I was a kid and when many of us were kids and something bad would happen, people would either try to talk us into why it's not bad, <laughs> you know, and why we shouldn't be bothered by it. Um, or we should just shake it off. And really what we need to do is process. And so I just, gently help myself process. Again, I like to do, you know, what I call skin to skin. I put my hand either on my bare belly or on my neck. Those mm. places give me comfort. Mm. I breathe. I tell myself, I'm with you. I'm going to stay with you, Atusa, until you come back in your body. I'm going to stay with you until you feel safe. I got you. I'm with you. And I know this is hard. And that way I can breathe through it, feeling unconditional love, not, no judgment. And then I can get to a place where I feel safe. And then when I feel safe, I can respond if there's a response. And, um, and that's pretty much how I, that's how I show up for myself. But by the way, this is all work in progress and it's new. Yeah. You know, it was through that devastating breakup that I had to figure out another way because otherwise like I couldn't show up in the right way in my life in the way that I wanted to for my children, for my family and for myself. Do you ever find yourself in that kind of um, vulnerable state that, that tender state when you're giving yourself love 
And do you find yourself moving towards the other party, <laughs> whatever may be going on, whether it be, um, you know, former ex of your ex or, you know, a lawyer or whoever it may be? Do you ever, do you ever find in that space engaging with someone else or do you wait and not engage until you've kind of come out of that period of giving yourself the love you need? Um, well, listen, I've certainly engaged the wrong way in my life, right? Mm. You know, I, I've, I've engaged in a place of, you know, before in a place of anger. Um, but I, I find it's best to take care of yourself before you engage with anybody. Otherwise, where you're coming from is just, it's just not your authentic self, right? It's not your, it's not your center or your balanced self. And so whether you're over, uh, overdoing it on the, please forgive me, or you're overdoing it on, I'm going to fucking gut you and kill you. Um, <laughs> it's just not, it's not from your best self. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's such an interesting thing because I think about vulnerability and just showing up with, you know, read Brene Brown or all these folks who talk about showing up with vulnerability and, how you do that from a place of you know equanimity and level and and self-love is a really interesting question um and i guess well, that... but you know what ethan I, what you're saying is so it's so powerful because i know you and your partner talk about you know coming together in those vulnerable moments right mm -hmm. and and i think that it's that is one of the key lessons that i learned just in this fucking stupid breakup that makes me want to like gouge my eyeballs out to this day is that I, I did show up in that way in the relationship. Like I'm hurt. I'm feeling worthless. And the other person needs to be able to be needing you in your vulnerability and, and not feel threatened because mm -hmm. otherwise you're sort of, showing your soft animal belly and then they're fucking destroying you yeah and and i think then it you know makes it harder that happened to me specifically in this breakup where i really showed my soft animal belly and it got fucking destroyed uh i'm not scared of doing it again but i do think i would i would be more careful and i guess you never know right i was in a relationship for 26 years and that didn't work out either so I just think you have to, I guess, this love thing is fucking dangerous, man. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting because, yeah, so many <laughs> folks say, like, you have to show up with that softness. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be open. And you even wrote in your newsletter today how you maybe entered your marriage ha being a little hardened, having had your heart broken and looking for something that was more um, just made sense at, from a friendship standpoint, but maybe not from the, the heart love standpoint. I'd love to dig yeah. into that. Like, what, is, what does love look like for you? What, how do you define that? Yeah, I mean, for me, love is our true nature. You know, we have blood in our veins to make our bodies work. And I feel like love is, is our sort of ethereal or energetic body. And it's, it's how it's, it's unconditional love is what we're born with. But I feel, you know, in my orientation, it's part of earth school that we go through various conditioning and programming from our you know family of birth and from life where we forget unconditional love you know where we are basically taught that 
our value comes in either our achievement or, you know, how we show up for other people. And then the real crux of earth school is to then uh, be on the path to making our way back home to unconditional love. And I feel, you know, I wasn't able to be back in conversation with any audience, much the less the audience that I revered so much when they were younger, until I got to this place where I really feel that I truly understand unconditional love again. And, um, and I just want to share that. I want to share how I got there um, with other people so that we can, you know, just as a community, the same as, you know, what you're doing so beautifully, uh, vibrate in, in unconditional love. Mm. How do you delineate between what is loving and what is kind of what is thirsty for love but not quite there like having having perhaps been taught that love is conditional from from what mm. i know of your story um and yeah. growing up how have you disassociated yourself from those teachings and learned to just understand oh this is this is actually coming from a place of love and this is not i mean by getting my by getting my ass kicked mm. i mean for me love meant attachment so I was a child who had separation anxiety from my mother. I suffered abandonment and emotional neglect as a child. So I was always gripping. And, you know, life or earth schools, I like to call it, was always showing me my level of attachment. Like every few years, like I'd have these like great friendships, but then a close friend would abandon me every few years. And even in my relationships, other than my marriage, because again, I, I already shared that uh, although we had a great partnership, it was not like a vulnerable heart-to-heart -heart thing. Mm -hmm. um, I was always the one being dumped, you know. And and as you said in today's even today's newsletter, it's about you know this sort of brutal energetic death that I I felt in this last breakup. And so then I got sort of reborn into this new understanding of love, and I had to fucking die to get there. And, you know, it, it, it wasn't like my path to unconditional love wasn't about acting like a fucking martyr or reading books and, you know, making myself love everyone without attachment, even though I wanted to like kill them, you know, <laughs> on the inside. You know, I don't believe in forcing ourselves to do anything that sounds right. Basically, you know, I, was so, you know, I felt like I was in love. I felt like this person was in love with me, but there was so much attachment, especially, I mean, I can only speak to my end. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, like this was somebody who wanted to get a tattoo of my name. If that's not attachment, you know, I, I don't know what it, what it is. And so when we broke up, I just completely fell apart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I all of my wounds came out, all of them, forget about the guy. I mean, my mother wound, my father wound, my worthlessness, my abandonment, the incest. And so in order to not die, I had to put my own heart on life support and, and really, really, really unconditionally love myself. And what I found was in that unconditional love for me, it really just extended wide you know and 
And in love, once I was able to love myself, I had like the energetic breath to love everybody, including this guy. Like I have no hard feelings. Mm. I love him. I'm so grateful for the fact that he almost fucking killed me so I can come back to life. Hmm. You know, there is nobody that, you know, like you can imagine going through a divorce. Like there's a lot of narratives going on that can be very cliche, but I don't. He's my brother and you're my brother, Ethan. You and I have only spoken once, hmm. but you're my fucking brother. And thank you for doing this. And I feel that about every single person in this room. You know, we're all like, we're all just doing our best. And so to me, like attachment is anytime I get like grippy, you know, like if I, what, um, whatever it is attached to any outcome, I have no attachment. You know, every single person can drop out of this room and be like, this fucking chick is a loser. I don't want to hear from her. And like, I'm okay. Like I'm, you know, it's, it's fine. I don't have any attachments anymore. Mm. Was there a, a point in life school where that lesson it sounds like it's recent that this is coming to you but totally you yeah, also i mean like i go ahead sorry i was just gonna say like as soon as it came through and i really understood it um is when i started doing the newsletter again and that was you know it all happened within the past you know few months it's wild to think about how you were leading the charge on two massive publications that reached millions of, of young women uh, in the 90s and 2000s. And how, how, did you pro how did you project love through those publications? How do you think that love was kind of mm, demonstrated or defined in the context of what you were doing when you were in publishing? I knew how to love another um, with attachment because I loved my parents. I loved my family. I knew how to love, but I didn't know how to love myself. Mm. And so how it showed up was, and, and I hope that my readers felt this, I fucking loved them. <laughs> and we worked so hard for them. There were editors that worked for me. I mean, they could tell you stories. I would keep us there like all fucking night. And but it was never for me or what I wanted. It was always like I wanted to get it perfect for this girl. And it's it, that's sort of how I always showed up in relationship to, to my detriment. Right. My own self-love had me sort of overly giving. It worked within the context of the magazine, um, but it didn't work in the context of of love. Um, because it was just out of balance. Um, but, you know, I just loved those girls. I loved them so much. But I also loved them enough to know that when I was working and in behind the scenes, I was a fuck up. I was cheating on my husband. I was, um, you know, an incest survivor working at a teen magazine and doing incest stories, but not saying, you know, I had this sort of confessional tone in my editor's letters, but yet I was still so beholden to my family, like mm. keeping the family secret, mm. uh, that I wasn't being transparent about things that were happening in my life. Now I have enough compassion for myself to understand like that's just, that's where I was at. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I had limitations and I needed to take myself out to work on those limitations because I did feel that ultimately I would be more 
useful to my audience in a more whole whole version of myself. So what was the breaking point when you realized it's time for me to leave this industry and, and focus inwards and, and just work on myself for a while? Well, things were just getting really hot. I mean, I, I was, there was a lot of attention on me at the time. Um, I remember in, in another article that recently came out talked about it, like I was spoofed on SNL. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for whatever reason, there's a lot of media attention on me. Gawker was always writing about me. Um, and, and yet I was living this life where I was cheating on my husband, even though I was sort of positioned as a role model. And it just felt like a lot, you know, a lot. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember I was negotiating my contract and, you know, I was making a lot of money um, and I wanted to double that. <laughs> and I remember saying to my husband, all right, I want to double this number, which was already very high. And he was like, all right, well, just tell them why you deserve it. And I was like, but I don't deserve it. And he was like, well, why are you asking for it? And I was like, because that's how fucking energetically impossible it is for me like that's how much i'd have to be paid in order to Oof. hold the fucking boulders that i currently have in my backpack and then as life happens you know he he was a guy that was in finance and he's you know a very successful guy today back then not as much and he happened to like make my salary in a day which as we all know on wall street that happens sometimes it was like a crazy fluke and it happened right when I was negotiating my contract. And I looked at him and I was just like, what if I don't sign this thing? And he was like, don't fucking sign it. Mm. And it felt like, uh, like even just saying it now, like every hair on my body stood up. And um, I didn't, you know, I didn't. And I didn't know though at the time that the journey I went on is the journey I was going to go on. I thought like, you know, the narrative I had was, oh, they don't get digital and I'm going to do this and I have a powerful audience and, you know, <laughs> and, but then it became very clear to me that mama needed a break and I needed to like get my shit together. Uh, and, and I, and I did. So can you walk us through a little bit of the getting the shit together process <laughs> and, uh, maybe some highlights from the last 13 years? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I've done everything. I've done it all. Uh, I've also gone through things in, in my marriage that at this point I probably, out of you know respect for, for his privacy, wouldn't talk about. But I went through a lot. And um, what have I done? I've done everything from, you know, obviously meditation and yoga to tons of shamanic work and get tons of therapy, all different modalities, including somatic. Done uh, theta meditation, homeopathy, plant medicine. I mean, I, I've, you know, really, I no stone has been left unturned. Uh, and, you know, it started though, you know, I'll tell you a, an interesting story. It started with really deeply looking at the incest. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, this is just, this is my life. This is what it looks like. This is a snapshot. And I could tell you a hundred more stories like this. Um, there's a wonderful organization called Hidden Water. 
and based in New York, and they, they have circles for survivors of childhood sexual abuse. Mm. And um, a shaman, Elizabeth Clemens, who I had worked with, uh, started the organization and she called me, and this is early, you know, earlier in the process after I stopped working. And she said, hey, I'm starting this thing. It's circles. You sit around with other survivors and you talk about, you know, what you've gone through, blah, blah, blah. And I, I was like, yeah, sure, sure. You know how we are in New York, right? Everywhere, I guess. We're like, yeah, sign me up, sign me up. And then the day comes and you're like, what the fuck did I sign up for? <laughs> and so the next day it was going to be the first circle. And I had never really processed my incest before in a big way. I talked about it a little bit in therapy. And... Um, I was in a yoga class at Pure Yoga, and I was, and I was in Shavasana, and I was like, God, why did I sign up for this? Like, if this is real, I don't want it. It's inconvenient on a hundred different levels. Um, if I'm really supposed to do this, please send me a sign. And you know, Shavasana ends. I'm walking home. I call my husband, and I'm walking along Broadway, on the Upper West Side, and as I'm walking. And talking to Ari, there's one other person on Broadway walking toward me. And I lock eyes with him. And it's my fucking perpetrator. Whoa. Now, this guy lives not in this state. He is my family member. He, I hadn't seen him for many, many, many years. We're literally looking at each other as I'm on the phone with Ari. And I was like, Ari, I got to fucking call you back. And I called my mom and I was like, is there any reason why this person would be in Manhattan? She's like, yeah, I just saw him. We were at blah, blah, blah together. He's probably walking to his hotel. And so that sign to me was, yeah, I know this is going to be hard, but you're going to need to do that work. And so that is really, I would say, where everything started because the incest, it just like, it was such a heavy backpack to carry so many boulders in there and doing those circles and, and I did a couple of rounds of it uh that was really really important for me to get past that shame did you end up engaging directly with your perpetrator yeah so I mean at one point I wrote him a letter and it's so ironic like as I wrote as I had I'm probably going to post parts of the letter in in my in my newsletter and on my Instagram soon because I've been thinking about it a lot. Mm. Um, I had taken pictures of it. As I went to post this letter to my to my cousin, my mom, I get a text at the exact moment that my mom is being brought to the hospital. And that's just like these these things like that's the sign of my cousin walking down the street, my mom going to the hospital just as I'm like really sort of opening up this Thing within our family it just to me is always the signs that we're all so connected mm -hmm. um and so yeah yeah i sent him a letter and i just was like you know prior to this letter sorry when i first had my when i had my first child it really ruined my relationship with my mom because once i was holding this precious baby in my hands i couldn't fucking believe she let that happen and not only let it happen when she found out that it happened there was such deep denial you know mm. and and so at that point when she saw that it was affecting her relationship with me she reached out to my cousin he admitted that he had done it so there was never a nobody's denying anything 
Um, but then he was like calling me almost like in a perpetrating way to say sorry. I mean, he was saying sorry, right. but I was afraid of him. You know, it wasn't how I wanted. I, I wasn't ready. Um, and so when I was, I wrote him a letter and I just was like, hey, this is not coming from anger. Uh, I know that you two, you know, we all watched you be abused in a different way and nobody in our family protected you. And, um, and, you know, I hope that somehow together we can keep talking about this so that we can end this legacy of abuse in our family. And he never, he never responded. Um, it was, I thought it was a very nice letter. Um, to this day, like when our elders, you know, say, like, let's say my kids are having a birthday party, they'll say, hey, what can I do? What can I bring? Like, I'll literally will respond to a text of what can I bring or what can I do with you can start talking about the abuse in our family. Wow. Because that is really, if you want to do something for me, do that. I don't need any fucking lemonade. I got the lemonade covered, <laughs> you know, and that's just it. Like, I just want to talk about it. Not because I'm like upset about it anymore. It's the one of the greatest gifts of my life. Cause I have like incest knocked on the wrong fucking door. Cause now I'm like, just going to talk about it with everybody. Um, but that's it. I just want to demystify stuff like, you know, stuff like shame and incest. How did you get to that place? I mean, obviously it's not an immediate, but are there any specific moments of revelation where you were able to transition from this place of just being so affected and hurt and, and, and just the psychological and physical abuse that had occurred to, to moving into a space of empowerment and, you know, knocked on the wrong door, you know, I'm, I'm going after this and, and not afraid to, how did, how did you, was that with that letter that, that really transitioned for you? No, I mean, I think that like with many people who go through trauma, like you can respond in different ways. Mm -hmm. You know, I always responded in a probably because I, I really sort of nobody had my back as a kid in any way. Um, growing up that I just like have a tough, I just have a toughness about me. Um, I, you know, what it looked like before I had started the healing work, it just, you know, I was having sex with people inappropriately, you know what I mean? Like whether it was being promiscuous in college or, um, or having affairs when I was working and married. Um, I never, I personally, for whatever reason, was never necessarily um, shrinking from it. Mm. Um, it just, my power was misdirected. You know, like trauma can be such rocket fuel. And it can, you know, for me, like the nose on my rocket was pointed up. So it made me very successful. Like I put all of my effort, all of the trauma shit into being successful the point my 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 i think my intention was in order to um sort of protect myself from the trauma you know from the abuse uh that like if i would be successful then i couldn't be hurt anymore um but yeah no just as for me it just all happened very very naturally and i think having children my god um <laughs> That is the thing that really just you, I think it just really makes you have to be comfortable being vulnerable because you can't help it. You're vulnerable. The second you have a child, you're vulnerable. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had to just get comfortable with that quickly, even though I I wasn't in the past. There's something coming through in relation to this direction of your trauma towards success and how we often direct certain energy that may not serve us into something that we think does or in, you know, we put all our attention into something. Would you say that kind of became like an addiction or was it more so just a a way of like, that was self-love at the time. That was kind of your way of taking care of yourself. Well, listen, I took care of myself. We all learn from our parents who learn from their parents and their parents and their parents how Mm -hmm. to take care of ourselves until we learn a different way. And so I learned that achievement uh, and external validation, whether it's making a lot of money or being in the newspaper, you know, that that's how you protect yourself from bad shit happening. I mean, to this day, my mom, God bless her, really good person. To this day, I am 49 years old. She will come to my house and literally hand me a printout picture of like me and Nicole Kidman. And it's almost <laughs> like a, it's like a missing poster. And she shows me me very glammed up with like a celebrity. And she, it's almost like, have you seen my daughter? Have you seen my daughter? Mm-hmm. You know, because like to her, when I was that person, even though I was like fucking people on the side and like a total train wreck internally, that's when I was safe, you know? And that's just because that's, that is her orientation. That's how she was taught. Um, it, it, it all, I wonder so, if that's yeah. changed though. I wonder, because it seems as though the more public we become, even if successful, the more we are, you know, our potential for being exposed and, and ultimately, you know, being punished seems to rise as well. Do you think that that's shifted over the last 13 years? I mean, I think that and punished is, 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 is a matter of opinion, Mm. you know, for, for me, um, in retrospect, had it come out that I was having an affair, right? Cause today it's different. Maybe I wouldn't have been able to hide it. Um, that would have been a great gift mm-hmm. because then I would have been one step closer to my authenticity. Um, for me, I had to, I had to get there on my own. So I don't see it as punished. Like I don't see anything as being binary like that. I think as a culture we do, yeah. um, you know, we see it like, you know, what do they call that? Canceling people. <laughs> um, for me, I find, I just have great, great compassion for everybody, including the people that even the good guys hate. I have compassion for them because they're fucking hurt people. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible to hear And they were born babies like you and me. We were all born as babies with unconditional love until our parents fucked it up. And I'm fucking it up in my ways for my kids, you know, despite my best efforts. We're all just doing our best. Do your, do your kids communicate with you about it? Do, do you ever get like real-time feedback? Like, mm, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel really proud of my kids. They're so special. And like yesterday we were at my, my, my best friend Billy's house and my daughter, you know, we brought them an explosion cake, which is like, you know, a hot thing for kids. Like candy <laughs> fucking explodes out of it when you cut it. And nice. my daughter was like, I'm going to cut it, mommy. I'm going to cut it. And I said, Angie this is a gift we're giving to someone. And she said, mom, 
you don't have to shame me. <laughs> and she was right, you know? And so I feel like I love those moments when my kids keep me honest. They're such special kids. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Like they, they, they're not afraid of me, mm. for sure. They, they call me on my shit. And, and I'm also always, you know, right there to apologize and try to bring them into what of my conditioning caused me to to maybe overreact i'm a big overreactor i get scared mm -hmm. um and you know they 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 get it that's amazing welcome and thank you all for being here through this i've seen a lot of you come in and a few of you have stayed since the jump and it's amazing to see i just want to reintroduce atusa rubenstein who is the former editor-in-chief of 17 magazine and founder editor-in-chief of cosmo girl and we're talking about leaving a career and finding yourself and so much more. Um, but you are kind of in a period of reemergence. And this is very much true for all of us. We're coming out of this year of pandemic and a lot of uncertainty and change in the world. And it feels like there's a bit of a coming out party that we're having. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful to be one of the early folks to be interviewing you as you're stepping into this new Atusa unedited newsletter project. And so grateful to see Rob here who introduced us. How does it, how do you kind of relate to this idea of like coming out into the world again and, and, and bringing your writing and your perspective in your life out into the spotlight? I mean, I don't, I don't so much see it, you know, doing the Substack for me was, has been just a sign of re-entering society. You know, like part of when I left uh, the, you know, working like, you know, 13, 14 years ago in order to get my shit together, I didn't know what was coming next, if anything ever. You know, before we entered the pandemic, I was a housewife who thought maybe I'd never work again, but I was really frozen, like not in a good place, but happy to stay committed to my marriage if, if that was what was best for my family. And I feel like I have come back to life. You know, it's almost like I was, I don't know. I, I don't know where I was. This, this is just to me, it's like coming back to life. That's why it wasn't about like, let me go get another job. Let me go make money. Let me get a gig. Like, I'm not thinking about it like that. I just want to connect. I want to be back in touch. I want to be um, sharing what I've learned and learning from from the audience as well. Like, I just want to I want to be be in earth school and I like to be part of a team and, and such Substack, you know, seems to be a great uh, outlet to just gather gather the tribe again and and have you gotten some good kind of feedback and response or any any learnings coming through in these early days as you as you start to reemerge with this i mean the learning you know obviously i care most about much to the chagrin of my friends who want me to be quote unquote successful again like they're like all right you got to do these uh hashtags and you know because the world's <laughs> changed since i since yeah. i went into hibernation and no, the learning that I've gotten that's been so beautiful has been about Earth School. You know, like I'll always remember one of the first emails I got after the first newsletter was from a reader who said, hey, don't ever apologize 
for not having been able to talk about the fact that you were molested, you know, like that shit has to come on your time. Mm -hmm. And it was just so good to hear that, you know, and just to be in relationship again uh, and to talk about intimate things. I mean, you know, one of the things that's been a little perplexing and hard for me because of my own orientation is one of the ways in which media has changed is that it's become somewhat, it's been democratized, which is great. That's been awesome to, to see, um, but a little bit superficial and meme you know, like everything is just in like these snap, just like quick snapshots. And I like to really marinate in, uh, I like to marinate and get really deep uh, and intimate. Uh, and so, you know, I'm really interested and excited to explore that space, which feels different yeah. than what is very popular right now. Well, it's, I was going to ask, like, how you view the evolution of media and if you've kept tabs kind of on the industry, um, kind of teen publishing or, or however you would articulate it over the last 14 years, or if it's something you've really kind of distanced yourself from and are just now starting to re-explore. I mean, you know, as like a human being on the in, on the planet, like I've seen what has, you know, I don't follow it in a, on a professional level. But first mm -hmm. of all, my industry, which is with magazines, basically no longer exists. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it, however, you know, the brands exist, of course, many of them digitally. Um, just it, it just seems like a lot of people talking saying many, many important things. Um, but what seems to have gone away is sort of the ability for new thought leaders to emerge in a very deep way. You know, like the old folks, meaning the people who have been around for a long time or have books and, and, and already large followings, you know, continue to have that. Mm -hmm. um, but everything else just seems like in, in niches. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it just, I just want to have like really deep conversations. And, and that, that to me has felt missing, like a thought leader who's having really deep conversations um, that's new. And, and I hope that, you know, whether it's through Substack or, you know, whatever comes out in the future, um, I, I hope to be in that space because that's the way I really like to relate. Well, I'm so glad we're doing it here. You know, this is a great space yeah. to do it for sure. And I, I hope you take I advantage so. of this platform more. I'm also curious just that in your home, you know, you're, you're raising three young, young women who are coming of the age that you were targeting when you were working at, at 17 and Cosmo Girl. I'm curious how you engage with them around, you know, these topics or, or how, how they may engage with digital media, but also, you know, how you as a parent kind of connect with them and share earth school. <laughs> yeah, I, I do it a lot. I mean, my 12 year old will tell you, uh, you know, she, anything she tells me that's happening at school, I, I like really take it seriously, not in a, all right, let's, this is how we're going to handle it, you know, not in a, how do we respond way, but how do we process, you know, like when she says something like, um, the other day she said, uh, <laughs> she said something hard on herself. Like, you know, she blamed herself for something. And I said, Oh, Angie, honey, 
that's some old trauma talking. And, and she was like, what trauma? And I was like, do you rem remember we talk about this all the time? Why don't we when you were three and I blamed you for taking my ring and you didn't and I yelled at you? I think this is from that. And like, we need to do, you know, X, Y, Z. And a little bit, she's eye rolly with me. But on the other hand, she is the way she carries herself and handles life in hard situations speaks to the fact that it, 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 it's it's getting through you know like of course i'm her mom of course everybody like rolls their eyes at their mom and you know including her with me but i i'm so proud of how she's carrying herself in in the social emotional way amongst her peers and um in community and uh i feel i feel great about that that's so cool well i i, I want to soon get to opening this stage up to any questions that may be coming up from folks in the audience or any, anyone that has something that they'd like to ask Atusa. It's not a promotional space. It's really a space for um, us to, to pop up and just ask a question related to this conversation. Um, and uh, also, you know, looking for folks who have kind of profiles and have been on Clubhouse for a little bit and um, are par participating actively. Um, Another thing that's coming up, just this being the Love Extremist Club, I have to ask, how do you relate to that word extremist? And what would you say you're an extremist for? I mean, I'm an extremist for connection. You know, I'm, I am always looking to connect. And, um, and you know, to me, that's everything. Uh, you know, my heart is always looking for your heart. You know, when I walk down the street, I remember once sitting in therapy and telling my therapist, you know, in New York, it hurts my feelings because everybody fucking walks by. Nobody, we don't look at each other in the eye. We don't look mm -hmm. at each other even when we're, and that just hurts me. And I don't know, I mean, I sound like such a fucking puss, but uh, that's how I feel. And so to me, connection is, connection is everything and love. Mm. I love that. So I'm going to start um, inviting folks on stage to join us. Before I do, I just want to remind you, this is being recorded, will likely be published on Love Extremist Radio, our podcast. So um, if you're not comfortable with that, feel free to move yourself back down in the audience. But if you are, I would love to hear from you and for you to ask a question of Atusa. Sanam, am I pronouncing your name right? Yeah. Welcome. Hello, Atim. Hi, how are you? I'm all good. Good. And I'm from India. Yeah. Excellent. Would love to hear what, what what's on your mind. In 2018, uh, nearby that time, uh, the job person kicked me out. Right. They said, you can't do this job anymore. So uh, I got shattered and I didn't know where to go. So I just left that job and keep moving and shift uh, from another shift to another city. In that city, I tried to start a business where uh, I just wanted to do the business, but then uh, I opted for other options of traveling. So then I started doing traveling and did like 10 to 12 travels. So for that, I got a bit recognition and uh, I thought that, yeah, might be, I, I found myself, like I found something which I wanted to do. And this is something is uh, related to my passion. But then, but then there was a money constraint. So 
my question is when the constraint happened after pandemic like we all are little suffering on our financial uh, thing now i'm again back to my education days i i have joined humber uh, in canada so that's uh, my question is uh, i know that i want to do this thing okay i let's say it's 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 anything let's say it's x i know i want to do that i have this gut feeling that yeah i i'm i'm meant for this thing but due to some constraints i'm not able to do that uh and something is stopping me which is not exactly my will but but some constraints which is not in my hand what should we do in such a situation like this is my question first of all thank you for sharing that i really re- relate to that frustration of wanting to do something cuz i would say that i have felt like pregnant with the idea that i'm doing now for like 12 years and i i thought years ago i was ready but like i i just i couldn't do it like it wasn't there and i and what i've learned in life and it's the hardest lesson i'm sorry to tell you is sometimes we just have to s- surrender and that means like instead of pushing on something that's obviously not there to just sort of be able to sit with what is there and and just soften with that and do your best with what is there and and eventually sometimes a different path shows up sometimes we think we know the exact right path we should be on like i remember when i was younger this is so embarrassing like i wanted to be like a model and i remember being in college and sending steven mizell i mean this is like the most embarrassing thing i could ever like admit steven mizell letters like hi i'm a model in barnard college and i'd love to do a test shoot with you the guy was like shooting the cover of vogue okay and like I I had to like you know I I did my best and at a certain point like I I had to just sort of surrender that and really understand like well what is it about that that I loved well what I loved was fashion and then I just redirected myself you know in these little pivots um but I think you know I think it's important to to be able to um make a pivot when something is just not working working out Yeah, I second that. There are these little micro moments or notes that we get from just going along and we find, "Oh, this is working and this isn't." And maybe I should just redirect a little bit and turn 15 degrees in this direction and see how that path flows better down the stream. So, that's coming up in relation to what you just said. Um, but thank you for that question, Sanam. David, welcome to the stage. How are you? Hey, Ethan, and well, thanks for hosting this space. Uh, I choose so I can listen to you talk all the time. And uh, a shameless plug for you: if folks aren't signed up at atuzo.substack.com, uh, do it. That's that's where the great conversation is really restarting. Uh, Atuza, I'm curious. Uh, you know, you you spoke about your your girls here, and as as much as you're willing to share, how much of what the conversation that you've been sharing with us today. uh are your girls looped in on um david first of all i love you i guess it's specifically talking about the trauma yeah uh, um i love you thank you for that plug i love you so much um for so many reasons 
Um, so my girls 100% know about the incest. Um, it's something I've talked about them to them, you know, since they were very young because I, I wanted uh, them to know about, um, you know, obviously like what's appropriate and not appropriate. Uh, and they are like major whistleblowers. God forbid anybody even like breathes on them the wrong way. They are like their hand is in the air and they're, they're, they're talking about it. Um, they, you know, they know very much just that I'm on an emotional, that I'm on a journey, you know, and that, that when things happen, even if it's something stupid at the dinner table, like I get overexcited if someone spills something like I'm just constantly processing <laughs> so like I'll be like oh that reminded me of when this happened when I was in Gaga's house when I was a kid and you know so just always always bringing the threads back to my childhood and also talking about things that happen with them and as it's happening so that you know when they're older you know I just think everything is so significant, you know, everything, especially at their ages, they're 12, eight and eight, the things that are happening are significant and the good things and the bad things. And so I just always encourage dialogue about it. Do they know that I cheated on their dad and, you know, before they were born, they don't. Um, but I, I, I suspect the 12 year old, you know, when, when my husband and I feel like it's appropriate, you know, we'll, we'll tell her about that. Um, but yeah, they definitely know about, about the incest and also, you know, the, the neglect and the feelings. They know when they we go to Gaga's house, which is my mom, that it's hard for me and um but but I wanna be there and I'm 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 getting better about it. Um so they support me without having to take care of me. You know, they like I'm fully able to take care of myself. But, um, you know, they'll, they'll know if I'm a little jammed up there that it has to do with when I was a kid. Thank you for that question, David. It's, it's a great one. And I feel like there's a whole school of kind of trauma-informed parenting that you could teach here um, in, in terms of what you've experienced and how you're passing that forward and, and, and ending the cycle. I don't, I don't know that I could teach anything on parenting, honestly. Like I'm, <laughs> I am really learning, learning as, as I go. Well, the teaching is in the sharing, the learning, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks David. Baby. Yeah. Jay, welcome to the stage. Do you have a question for Atusa? I do. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you. I have a question about purpose, purpose and passion mm -hmm. and uh, Tusha, I didn't catch maybe the very beginning of, of your story, and you may have talked about that when you were talking about, you know, the early days. Um, but along with, you know, in the early days when you were very successful and you had obviously a drive, how much of of that came in or did you think about this is my purpose and or, you know, transition to today as you're, you know, recreating? Is that something that you think about? or just be interested in your opinion about purpose and career. Thank you for that. Yeah, for the beautiful question. I mean, you know, when I was younger in my 20s, I, I sort of became successful very young. And so I didn't have that kind of high level thinking. And I think young people today are much more, you know, probably because they've grown up with the internet, they're just 
they're just so much wiser than I was, you know, at, at that age, I was like a, a party girl. Um, but I would say that the success came from running from trauma. You know, I was running fast. And luckily, like I said earlier, like the, the nose of the rocket was pointed up. So I was able to be very successful. Um, but the purpose piece, I would say, I've always, I, without knowing that's what it was, I always felt so lucky to have gotten out of the traumatic life that I had. And I remember, and I've talked about this a long time ago, I remember being a fashion editor and having this like out of body moment experience. It was in the nineties, like the late nineties at the height of Tom Ford and being in Milan after like the most famous Tom Ford show, like the most iconic Tom Ford show in retrospect for Gucci being on that runway, talking to Tom Ford. And I just for a second remembered the kid that had such a fucked up life. And I was like, that's you. You're this person in these fancy clothes with this iconic person in this iconic moment in Milan. Like, what the fuck? And I remember thinking, in that moment, I saw the little girl who was really being brutalized every day in her home. And I remember it just being like, I, I, I want to tell other people like this is possible because I did not have that hope necessarily at that age. Um, and I didn't know at the time that I'd end up being a teen magazine editor, but I remember just thinking like, God, I wish I could tell people. And I guess that was my purpose. And that continues to be my purpose. Um, because today, like, you know, the, the things I'm talking about are maybe different than, yeah, you can be fabulous, which is really what I thought was so great back then in my twenties. Um, but yeah, I guess that was the beginning of me understanding my purpose, although I didn't really have that that word for it then. Yeah, that's a great question. Do you see that purpose evolving, Atusa? I mean, I just see it as I'm somebody because like many people in this room, I grew up in a dark ass place. And when you grow up in a dark ass place, what are you not afraid of? The dark. <laughs> and so I've gone in some really dark places in my life, including my adult life, including after I left 17 and, and, and publishing. And I have been able to light lanterns in those places. And so back then the purpose was I can light a path of lanterns for you to have your dream job. You know, you too can be fabulous. Now today, it's, I've been down much darker pathways and, and, and I'll look forward to, to lighting those paths for other people just so they know they're not alone because they too can walk through it just the same way I did. Um, but if I could just put some extra lights up and just let them know, you know, they're not alone, um, then I also feel, feel less alone. So grateful for that awareness that you have and your steadfastness in, in doing this work and continuing to bring that light to dark spaces because we need it.
this is a time of healing and, and connection and it's it's so necessary for coming from all voices we all experience dark stuff but yeah. it feels like there was a time when it wasn't appropriate to mm-hmm. share and now it's like no this is what we're talking about and it's important yeah yeah and i i thank you for really you know being a renegade doing exactly the same thank you so I, I recognize we're coming to time, but definitely want to hammer home that everyone follows Atusa. So you can obviously find her social media on her, on her profile and follow her there. But um, you want to share the link as to where people should go to get your newsletter and stay connected? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's substack, substack.com, Atusa Unedited. Um, and I'm on Instagram, both at Atusa Unedited and my, my full name, Atusa Rubenstein. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm loving this journey and um, just really looking to continue to build, build community around it and see, see where it goes. You know, I'm not, I'm not in this to make anything other than uh, connections. <laughs> And friend, I don't mean work connections, not networking, but you know, like heart connections. Yeah, well, it's it's a really powerful platform for doing that. Um, and uh, yes, Ruben Stein. I was saying Steen this whole time. I, I get the Steen Steins mixed. I'm so sorry. Well, what my kids and I call us the Ruben Steen Steins because my husband goes by Stein, and and you know, it's it's like that's another whole other newsletter in the making. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> So what would you like to leave us with? We've got about 100 people here and we'd love just one last gem before we say goodbye. Just, I love you. You know, I love you, Ethan, and I love every single person, both named by you in in conversation here and, and unnamed. And I feel so grateful to be journeying with all of you. And, um... And that's it. You know, Earth School is more fun when we're together. Uh, so thank you for anybody who's signed up for the newsletter or, you know, reads it on the Substack website. Uh, and I'm just looking forward to seeing where the road, where the road takes us. Mm, it's beautiful. And I just want to just take a moment to pause and reflect and express some gratitude for Rob, who's in the audience. Um, also for Antonio, who just popped in, we're going to be having a conversation tomorrow, which I'm really looking forward to, um, about kind of surrender and control. But just want to take a moment to recognize we have people from all over the world, uh, all over the generational map, all over the background spectrum, living and experiencing this moment together in this virtual space. You may be washing dishes or taking a walk or doing other things too, but just want to express some gratitude for that and that we can share this together and that being here and being able to have these conversations is loving unto itself and is spreading love um, by uplifting each other and supporting each other. So Atusa, your story is so powerful. Oh, we got a Rob on, on stage. You wanna yeah. give oh, Rob a yeah. word? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to take he, away you could not show that man a stage he's not going to jump on yes can you, can you rip your shirt off on clubhouse yeah right let's go <laughs> no just this, this my heart is so warm so big and so full right now from listening to both of you um speaking the truths about love and humanity and just deeply grateful um for both of you and for this entire conversation everyone uh, participating by listening and, and asking questions. That's how we get through it together, right? Mm-hmm.
That's how we get through this thing called life through together, through honesty, and um, and that's it. Mm. Wow, Rob, you're the best. We love you so Rob, much. I love you so much. You are such. You are the best brother ever. I love you. Yeah, I love you too. And Ethan, I can't like. How are you not my brother? I'm like so happy to be in a relationship with you, and what you're doing is just really just deserves such applause. Thank you. Well, this is the tip of the iceberg, so lots more to come. Um, and thank you, David and Jay, for being here with us, and um, everyone else who's been here listening and participating. Uh, I hope you carry this energy and spirit with you on to the rest of your day. And so look forward to seeing you in the next Love Extremist room wherever and whenever that may be. And make sure you follow everyone up on stage because they're all doing great things too. Cool, y'all. Take good care and spread that love far and wide. Thanks for listening to Love Extremist Radio. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. If you want to learn more about being a love extremist, check out www.extremist.love and follow Love Extremist on Instagram and Facebook. Find me also on Instagram at Ethan Lipsitz. Hope to hear from you soon. Peace. Love is the truth. Love is the truth. Love is the truth.